We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, everybody? Welcome into the OBR Film Breakdown on this lovely Monday. It is July 17th. Hopefully you guys are doing well. The start of your week is going well. My name is Jake Burns. You know me, the host. I am joined by Andrew Spade, who has been my co-pilot for a large portion of these three times a week. It's it's morphed into an NFL preview, Andrew, which we have enjoyed doing. And we made a promise to you guys that we would do the AFC North a bit more in-depth. I mean, we're still going to answer the same five questions, but maybe have some more thoughts as we know these teams so much better. Uh, that's the goal today. We have some topics we want to hit uh, at the start of this show, the uh, the outset, because I think there are some things that uh, both happened today and recently that we wanted to chat about. And then uh, at the end, very end, after we do the coverage of the Cincinnati Bengals, who we'll lead off with for the AFC North, we're going to talk about the Bear. If you have seen that show, it's a Hulu, I think it's an FX sort of deal there. It's a it's on Hulu if you want to find it. It is a cooking, drama, comedy combination. Uh, it is a TV show that is uh, well worth your time. Andrew and I both really liked it. So we're going to talk about that at the very end. If you're in the midst of that or you think you're going to partake in that show at some point, just cut the pot off. We will not be offended whatsoever. So, Andrew, I welcome you in uh, on this Sunday evening, man. How was your weekend? Was it good? Uh, very good, Jake. It's uh, I was out walking around just before sunset, and um, you know, it's it's definitely got a little bit of that uh, summer transition, right. Where it was, we were in the beginning of summer through 4th of July. And it was like, you know, I don't know about where, how it was there, but it wasn't super hot. Now we're getting a lot of hot days. Things are starting to get a little Brown in places. You're hearing more cicadas. It's, it's feeling a little bit more like football season is my point. And so the, the, the excitement is really ratcheting up. I have been just ripping through football preview podcasts every time I'm driving or walking or anything, you know, anytime I've got a chance, I'm listening to somebody talk about what they think 2023 might be like. So, uh, yeah, just I starting to feel that itch a little bit. And I know that training camp is right around the corner. Yeah, you get that vibe after the 4th of July. After you and I get done complaining about fireworks, <laughs> you start to feel like football season's right Seamless on the cusp, transition. right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, a reminder, in case you guys didn't know or forgot or whatever, Andrew's down in North Carolina, a little different than yeah, some of us up bit. here in Ohio, or maybe some of you across the pond. We have a lot of listeners who listen to this all over mm-hmm. the world, which is pretty cool. So, um, 
yeah, Ohio's hot man put together a swing set tonight. Was nice. absolutely miserable. It was not nice. Miserable. <laughs> well, it's done though. Kids. Yeah, it's done. He yeah. loves it. It's great. We had our, our uh, youngest first birthday Saturday. That went off without a hitch. But boy, it's like you really hit your mid thirties, and some of you will scoff at me because you're a little older and you know. But like, it's just not the recovery's not quite as good as it used to be from yeah. from some of those uh, draining events where. And I consider draining events since the pandemic, like just seeing people and talking mm-hmm. to That's people right. in person. That's, That's like. Right. It's a lot. We saw Mission Impossible. Me and the, the wife and some friends over the weekend won't talk anything about the plot. Thought it was good. Not great. They could do better. I will say a part of the issue for me, though, Andrew, is any part one. If there's a part one and I know there's a part two movie coming, it just does something for me to the movie unless Agreed. I feel like the, the, the script is phenomenal. Agreed. And I, I didn't think the script was phenomenal. So it's good. It's well worth your time. Good theater experience. Good fun movie. But not like if you're talking about like like Fallout and Ghost Protocol and Rogue Nation, that the three most recents that they've done, which is, have all been so fun, it's not quite on par with those. So I'm just one loser. So take that opinion did for what you, it's worth. I'd still go see it. Did you make it through there. the rewatch of all of those before we you did. went to the theater? That's... We did all six. Pretty nuts. Well, yeah. I, I will tell you the backstory of that and why we decided to do it is because we finally got, after one year of not getting our one-year-old to sleep in his own crib all night, we finally did like two weeks ago. And we're like, what are we going to do with our free time? <laughs> our, our evenings are free. And uh, we decided to... Yeah. Partake in that. So way back when and before every we night had with Tom Cruise. Yeah. Well, why not? You know, it's mm-hmm. uh, just what what the last American uh, movie uh, action star. Right. That's, That's what right. They say these days. That's right. His own stunts and craziness. Mm-hmm. Um, no. So I just it kind of was nostalgic for us a little bit because way back when when we first got together, she was pregnant with our oldest now five and we did a whole Marvel movie. She'd never seen him. So we kind of went through all of those. All yeah. the time. It's kind of like. We've kind of come full circle here in a, in a weird way. So, yeah, that's what we've been doing lately. We got through that, got through the movie. I hope part two closes it out better. I really don't want them to end it uh, in a sour way because these they can. These It's like the Fast and Furious series, man, where these goofy movies, you just make too many. You just make too many uh, of, of a movie. And I understand the checks keep cashing. I get that. But it ruins what is a pretty good series. And I, I like I like the Tom Cruise Mission Impossible stuff has been fun over the years. So I hope that it ends a little bit stronger. But no no plot holes or it's just my opinion so hopefully you like it when you go see it whoever does i don't know if you will andrew but if you do i hope you like it um yeah what are we gonna talk about oh deandre hopkins signed today out of out of the blue we had no indication it was coming and all of a sudden he is a he's a tennessee titan and it makes sense for him in a lot of ways what was your immediate reaction to it um disappointment honestly uh because i you know i mean there's sort of two senses i there i was still holding out a little bit of hope that he would accept a sort of discounted deal with the Browns. Um, you know, whether or not that was even on the table, we don't know, but I wonder if we'll um, get that. that yeah. I would, I would like to know if there was any interest, if they had, you know, if they had like a six or $7 million offer on the table. Um, and then the other disappointment is I think the Titans with, you know, with their defense, I really respect Mike Bravel as a head coach. Uh, if, you know, if Tannehill can be okay, or if Will Levi's comes in and, you know, is, is, is all right. You know, I mean, can they be pesky and hang around? You know, they're. I mean, we, we already talked about they're going to give the Browns a game week three. We're going to hate watching that one. So it's just, you know, the AFC is is silly loaded already. And adding Hopkins, it addresses their biggest weakness as a team other than offensive line. I think those were kind of 1A, 1B. Yeah. So just disappointed because it's, you know, and, and I also think there's a decent chance that the Titans are kind of irrelevant. And so then now Hopkins is not really a factor and I, I, he's a player I like yeah. watching play. So, you know, it, it, it's, you know, I, I mean, good for him. He got paid, you know, but um, 
And then, the, you know, there's a little, the other thing that I thought, and I, I wanted, wanted your thought on this is, is there any chance you think there's any chance that this got leaked? Because when it was reported, it was like, this will be done in a few days. Do you think there's any chance that this got leaked to kind of shop around for a better offer? I think at first there w- it was, and then we got the specifics of the contract pretty right. quickly from right. um, Jordan uh, yeah. Starbucks. I can't think of his last name you know, off the <laughs> top of my head. Schultz. Yes. Yeah. He gave the contract specifics. I think that at first I thought the wording of it was weird because we had, you know, the slack had blown up with he had signed. And then it was like, he's expected to sign in the coming day or whatever. Right. And I was like, Hmm, cause it did make me raise an eyebrow a little bit. But then you got like, uh, and again, some of these, you start to learn these are mouthpieces for agents like Ari Myrov, the My Sports Update, uh, who I think he's with the 33rd um, team mm-hmm. now or whatever that's called. So he, here's what his tweet said Here's what DeAndre Hopkins said he was looking for in his next NFL team stable management. Didn't the Titans just get a new GM? Um, right. yep. A quarterback who loves the game. Most of the big names do and great defense because defense wins championships. So I think, listen, I think he went back to places also like I, a lot of guys like to go places they're comfortable. And I think the AFC South is a place he was comfortable. And I, and and that's weird. Uh, Yeah. A lot of these guys, like they just like kind of find their way around the division because that's what they've sort of known. So other notes on his contract, two year, $26 million deal. There are three million available and insists according to Ian Rappaport, three million available and in incentives each year. If he reaches ninety-five catches, a thousand fifty yards, and ten touchdowns, he gets all of it. Seems very reasonable. Yeah. Um the full breakdown. So if he you know catches, if he has sixty-five, he gets two hundred and fifty thousand. All the way up to if he has ninety-five, he gets a million. So it's like it starts at a baseline of seven hundred and fifty yards up to yeah. ten fifty. So they're very much putting it on production for him. So yeah, which is smart. Um yeah, and it seems like franchise tag stuff. The running backs out there, man, like Josh Jacobs, Tony Pollard, and Saquon Barkley, there could be a miracle here at the deadline. But it smells like there's going to be some franchise tag discomfort coming in the in the in the in the near future for some of these running backs. So Pollard signed his, right? Um, perhaps. I, um, I, I believe he like he signed his back in March. I think he's he's going to play on it. But he he did sign. Okay. It, I believe. But Jacobs and Barkley have not, right? Correct. Correct. Got it. Yeah, yeah, that could get a little spicy, especially yeah. for those two teams. Heavily are going to rely on those. Yeah, guys. they need those players. They do need them. Um. Okay. Well, and it's probably teams with really good quarterbacks like Dak. Uh, and yeah. Dak's really good, not great, but really good. They're driven by the quarterback are like, well, you know, I can't. I'm not the main cog in this. I should probably just play on that tag. Yeah. You know. So yeah. Well, and the Cowboys um, love the franchise guys. I just want I want to say about the Hopkins thing. Yeah. And some of this franchise tag stuff, um, you know, that I think that deadline is this week. A lot of teams are back now, you know, like front office wise. Mm-hmm. So if there are going to be more moves, I mean, I think there are going to be more moves. If the Browns are going to make another move, I would expect to see it in the next you know, few days. Yeah, you're right. It would be the next few days. And, and we got to I talked about this with Brad Ward, um, the, the Bengals and the Joe Mixon thing. And I wanted your right. opinion, like Joe Mixon taking like a $5 million cut. Mm-hmm. I know I think there's some incentives to get a couple million back, but you don't really see that. Like that's a huge pay cut, man. Yeah. I guess the, if you're Joe Mixon, are you thinking I'm watching guys like Dalvin cook and that's right. And that's some of these is. who can't even that's get like is. a set a next contract. That's what, yeah. that's really shade. Like right. our if, team's going to start cutting. Like I'm, I'm curious if the Browns will start, will do this with Nick next year, where they'll say, we're just either going to cut you or you're going to take a pay cut like that. Yeah. Ugh, boy. I mean, I, I, I think he, it's just what's tough with Chubb is that he's not only is he 
a supremely talented player, but he's such a good dude. So yeah. jerking it's him around like that makes the, the Browns look really bad, you know? So I think they hopefully are smart enough to know that they're just going to look bad if they do that. But I, I hear you, Jake. I mean, I think there are a lot of teams now that are, that are really going hard in the direction of running backs don't matter. And, uh, and just not paying them. Just, I mean, it's just, it's as simple as that. And I think, you know, it's like, we're going to cut you or you're taking this giant pay cut, man. Exactly. And, and then, yeah, from, to your point, Joe Mixon is saying, well, if they cut me, I'm no probably the second free agent running back behind Dalvin Cook now. And so yeah. whatever he gets, I'm going to get less. like one year, four million. Like right. that could exactly. be your outcome. With like, yeah. with like maybe not a good team or I can take yeah. a pay cut and have a chance to win a Super Bowl. That's tough. It's going in a tear. Like the running yeah, back stuff, like we've. We've elaborated on it, but I still think the NFL has to find a way to fix it. It is such yeah. an outlier position. So, yeah. um, all right. There's, there's a couple other things that we wanted to hit on. If you had a chance, you know, one, one quarterback mind that you, you don't mind hearing from, which is Kurt Warner put together a video breakdown of some of Deshaun Watson's performance. And I, and I think he focused most of it on the Washington game. If yeah, I, if right. I remember correctly, Entirely. Yeah. So he wanted to look into just some of the the grumblings out there of why he wasn't his best. And, and mm. that was a tale of two halves, to be completely honest. But right. um, what he noted was that what he realized most uh, often was happening was that Watson was and I'll put the link to these videos in the bio of this pod if you want a quick, quick action to see them like 15 minutes each or so. Not very long. Yeah. Worth um, yeah. So he's talking about how Watson was just indecisive, mm -hmm. didn't have his eyes in the right spot off. And he often, as things came open, was not ready to get rid of the football. That's and a large byproduct, what he was saying, is that he was bouncing a lot. He would get to the top of his drop, and he had this, not a nervous tick, but just a, it's a I guess nervous could be right, but just lacking comfort where he would get to the top mm -hmm. and he would just sort of bounce. Like his feet would be bouncing, and he's like, he can't make the throw on time. If you're in the air bouncing, you can't just rip it. You got to have right. your feet attached to the ground to throw. So, you know, you had sent over a really good article recently by Adam Kaplan, which, which talked about, I think he's with pro uh, football network. Right? He is now. He just moved over there. Yeah. Yeah. So he was talking about how I'll let you elaborate on that a little bit. Then we'll re, re kind of connect these two. Yeah. I mean, I think that, yeah, it was just, it was, this was really more talking about what's happened behind the scenes this year, you know, through OTAs and minicamp and just how much more comfortable Watson looks in the offense. You know, I think the, the upshot of the article was essentially saying that, you know, they felt like a lot of the issues with last year were unfamiliarity with the offense. And that familiarity has really come in over the course of this off season. Now, I mean, I think we, we talked about this a month ago or so, you know, the the offense that they were running for most of Watson's time last year was the offense that the rest of the players on offense were familiar with, not necessarily the offense that Watson was familiar with because the Correct. Houston game was such a debacle. So yeah, yeah. And I don't think it was just a debacle. Watson's line and his performance was a debacle. I don't think they would have gone away from it so quickly if the rest of the team didn't look so uncomfortable too. That's it. That's it. So so the hunches we were preparing for this episode and talking about, which is where you and I have been pointing the whole time and why mm -hmm. we've gone at some of these opinions out there that have just ignored some of the, I think, obvious tie-ins here is that they tried to do what was comfortable for Deshaun and they figured out it made everybody else really uncomfortable. Right and said, pitch it. We have five games now left after this Houston game. We're going to make sure that everybody's comfortable by doing what we've always done with previous seasons, Baker and Jacoby. 
and sh- see if we can get Deshaun to be comfortable and just operate this offense. It, there were moments where Deshaun looked comfortable doing it, but there were certainly some uncomfortable moments for him where he put together either a bad throw, he was off on timing, and he just didn't look right. Now, yeah. if you think back and think in the preseason, if they were doing all of these things, preseason training camp, that were very fine-tailed and specific for him, he probably did some of what he was doing toward the end of the year, but not not all of it. Because if you remember, Andrew, I do, like there were some videos of gun-based stuff with, with Kareem and Nick in the backfield together. Like, they were kind of laying some breadcrumbs for what they were going to be with Deshaun. And it's like, it, it's pretty bluntly obvious to me that when he got back with the team, because if you recall, he missed a lot. You couldn't be around the facility. That's right. He wasn't getting reps and understanding all the time and just getting his eyes through what was going on at the position for this structure of offense. So it's pretty obvious to me why he struggled. And it's also very obvious to me now how things would be in a much better direction where there's a very cohesive Deshaun AVP Stefanski plan in place and he should be better. Like it's not hard to figure that out. So, so yeah, specifically, yes, it does. And I think specifically it's about comfort, right? What what Warner was seeing on tape there and even what he mentioned in, you know, the first video, he's kind of going over the, the inconsistencies of, through the first half. And he, he gives him credit in that second video for the improvement that he showed in the second half, as you alluded to earlier, the tale of two halves. That's about comfort, right? So it's that's about the player settling in as the game goes on because he's literally, we're watching him in a live NFL game learn how to play in a new offense, right? And so yeah. um, that comfort now with an entire offseason should be second nature. And so the 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 timing, the bouncing, all of the things that were making his throws late or inaccurate should be completely ironed out at this point, or if not completely, a lot better than they were through those six games. And I think, you know, I think we have done, I mean, not to toot our own horn too much, Jake, but I think we have done a more comprehensive job of explaining the best way to understand that six game stretch of any Browns media that I have seen. And I I don't, I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to brag, but I think it's there. It's sort of a mystery, and I think we have spent a large part of the off season unraveling that mystery. It ha- it has been a large part of the off season unraveling that. I think that's that's pretty well said, and I, and I think that I hope that we've covered that well enough for people. I I really think we have. So if listen, if it gets to week three or even week two, yeah, and Deshaun oh, sure. is doing this jumping around, bouncing mm-hmm. around stuff in the pocket. Yep. It's going to be called out. We're going to have to say this doesn't. This makes you uneasy because he was not that player with the Texans. That's he right. wasn't. That's so, right. yeah, man, we'll, we'll we'll dig into that as new information becomes available. But if you watch the training camp stuff, like he's very entrenched in the ground. I'm sure he knows about this issue, is working through it, and I've been encouraged by what I've seen. We'll kind of leave it at that. Last part of the uh, intro here is we wanted to answer a question. Anytime I get a question in any way, shape, or form, OBR inbox or – uh, Twitter, whatever, I will answer it for you. A question was asked by at 15K. Uh, I, I I don't know. I don't know how to say that. Um, <laughs> Kieran? I think it might be Kieran. K-Y-R-A-N. Let's go with that. Let's go with that. Sounds good. Um, I'm sorry if I messed your name up, man. Never mean to do that, but it's uh, sometimes Twitter handles are funky. So he said, not sure how to submit a mailbag question. We just answered that for you. You did fine here. Nailed it. I was hoping you could talk about what you think of the possibility that the wide receiver room starting in 2024 could be Donovan Peoples-Jones, Moore, Bell, Tillman and some sort of rookie or free agent. We have answered that in a way, I think uh, in Mm -hmm. a way and saying that that is a very possible outcome. Now you added in the last part of it. Would you like that? If a DPJ has a solid year, more breaks out, 
and Bell, Tillman, Flash, and 23. That would be great. Yeah. I mean, that would be great because you hopefully can give, um, you know, Peoples Jones some sort of affordable contract with layered structures in there to sort of either bump it up for him if he continues to produce or you protect yourself with an out after a couple years or whatever. Sure, they can do that. And then, yeah, I mean, Elijah Moore breaking out as a fan. Like, if those two guys, if, if, listen, if, if DPJ goes up to from his 840 yards to a thousand, that's an unbelievably great outcome. Yeah. If Moore goes to six, seven, eight hundred yards, maybe more, that's a great outcome. Like that's those, yeah, those two can. If you feel like they've made strides and they do these things, and you're talking about Bell and Tillman flashing positive signs, yeah, you you have no problem with uh, you know, unfortunately, moving on from a 30 year old Amari Cooper, right at that yeah. point, who has 20 plus million owed. Yeah. Uh, that you could figure out a way to move that or get off that or, you know, post June 1st it or whatever. I don't have his, his, his uh, yeah. page up in front of me. But, right. yeah, if those things happen, that is a very possible outcome, right? And even if they don't happen, every single piece of it, yeah. it could still happen. Yeah, they might be forced to just from a financial perspective, depending on what other needs they have, right? Because part of this is how much can you afford to spend on wide receiver based on what the other needs of the team are, right? You've got Grant Delpit yeah. coming up for a contract. They're going to have to solve the left tackle situation after this year, so or after next year. But my point is, is that 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 uh, money flexibility might be needed elsewhere. The only thing I would just add to that is the reason they went out and got Elijah Moore, I believe, more than anything else, is that they needed a second player that could win uh, a one-on-one in a man-to-man situation. Because yes. while Donovan Peoples-Jones is a is a good player and has a lot of solid attributes, that is not his stock and trade. And it really isn't for David Bell either, right? So my concern with that scenario that we're talking about is we know Donovan Peoples-Jones is not probably winning many one-on-ones, right? His his, his talent He's a frame is, catcher. He's exactly. going to have to be like Hopkins where he's winning a back shoulder, mm-hmm. jumping up, or like, you know, somebody's hanging on him and he's low right. catching it or whatever. Right. Yeah, he's not creating... He's not going to lead the NFL or top 30 in separation. He's just never been that guy. It's not going to happen. That's right. right. And so if if Moore breaks out and can win the way that we think that he might, and the Browns clearly think that he might, then the question becomes, I don't, I'm, I don't expect it from David Bell either. So then does somebody else, like a Cedric Tillman, show that ability to win one-on-ones? Because if he does, now if Moore gets doubled and taken away, you have somebody else that can win a one-on-one. But my concern with that list unless Tillman really takes a, a pretty big jump in his first year. And he could, right? Because he, he was hurt, and that's what kind of dropped his draft stock. Uh, it could be that he's a diamond in the rough. But my concern with that lineup would be not enough ability to win one-on-ones. Now, maybe Watson ascends to a level that it doesn't matter. He's throwing dudes open, and it's like, hey, DPJ, just put your hands out, right? It's like yeah, he's yeah. putting it where only you can catch it. That yeah. might happen, too. And in that case... If that happens, then if Watson gets back to 2020 Watson, then you can kind of run whoever out there at wide receiver, truly. Yeah. To a you have a, ch- a chance to take right. more risks at that That's spot. Right. That's right. That's what but, you would yeah. say. But so. my concern with that group, and I think there's a, like Jake said, there's a possibility that's where we end up. But the concern would be can they win, you know, in a playoff game against a really good defense that can take away your first option? Can can the other guys show up and make make you pay? Can you make plays when things are covered when they, exactly. they call the perfect defense, right? right? Like they've got to prove that all around. So yeah, that is, 
if the all of those things align, yeah, you're probably going in that direction no matter what. But even if some of those, even if just Tillman flashes and you get an uptick in production for more, you're probably going to get something similar to that. And it also is what is Donovan Peoples Jones agent coming to the table with that's from so a important here perspective. Too. Yeah. 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 Um, you know, before we go to break here, I, in, in a twist of irony, like we're talking about running backs and how that position is broke. I had someone in a chat here from my college group who sent over a photo. You ever see, you've seen the town I'd imagine. Yeah. All of those guys get out in the nun outfits from mm-hmm. the Jeep and they see the cop who's staring at them and they, he like looks at them and then looks away. So the first photo is the entire NFL is the cop looking at the four people getting out of the car in the nun outfits, which are Fournette, Kareem Hunt, Zeke, and Dalvin Cook. And then they just looks away in the third photo. Like they're just being ignored. And that could be Joe Mixon. That's really what we're talking about is Mm -hmm. that is an outcome that you could have where you're just like the NFL is saying, we don't even care. We don't even want to give you a one year deal. Right. Yeah. It's madness. It's, it's, it's very strange. And you know, it does have, I mean, we were talking before the pod about fantasy football. It does have a direct impact on fantasy, right? Because you're going to struggle more and more to find guys that are getting touches because it's going to be guys that have less of a name. And so there are probably, I mean, maybe not in the uh, insane league that, that we're in together, but in a normal league, there are going to be guys week one, week two, week three on your waiver wire that are going to get 10, 15 touches. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, good luck with that. Figure out who those people are and you're going to win your league. That's right. Maybe, uh, maybe keep stashing those rookies in some of those dynasty leagues like we are. So, okay, we're going to take a break. And uh, when we come back, we are going to dig into the AFC North and starting with the Cincinnati Bengals. We'll be right back. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Bengals win the division last year. Two years in a row now, Andrew. They've won the division. They are yeah. sitting atop um, a division that is dominated by Pittsburgh and Baltimore. And they have had their spurts, right? That 14, 13, was it like 13, 14 area? Maybe even before that, 2012. I'm not sure off the top of my head. Um, Here are their marquee additions. They added Orlando Brown Jr. And a bit of a surprise, they're going to shift over. um, What's his name? I don't have it in front of me. I should as we're Jonah Williams. There we go. That's why they pay you the big bucks. Going over to the (laughs) other side, 
uh, initially begrudgingly going to the other side and then now has sort of eased up on that stance from everything I hear. It's, you know, yeah. agents like to do that. Um, all right, other additions. Nick Scott comes over from the Rams as a safety, and then they added Cody Ford as sort of a uh, protective addition. Uh, I don't know if he's going to start for them, but he will be an, a, a nice addition to the depth of their offensive line. Not not a very good player for Buffalo. We'll see if he's any better in Cincinnati, where Joe gets the football out quicker. Might be better, you know, than than some of the stuff. Josh Allen's great, but those scrambling quarterbacks, not every offensive lineman is able to do that. It's different. You know, I've talked about it a lot. Kind of playing, you're almost like playing defense. Uh, just shielding off guys. But anyway, um, big subtractions, though, especially at safety. Jesse Bates, uh, all pro safety is gone. They lost Von Bell, who started to come along for them really nicely throughout the end of his contract as a stronger safety type. Uh, Hayden Hurst is gone, and we're going to talk about some other pieces that are a little different. But they bring back the core of who they are, man. So the question is, let's just go through the roster real quick. All right. Yeah. So, you know, the, the wide receiver top two duo is competitive with anybody in the NFL there. Mm-hmm. T. Higgins, Jamar Chase are phenomenal. And Tyler Boyd, who was there before them, still is a, a super respectable slot, even if his career of Cincinnati is sort of winding down, uh, a very respectable player. Now, they've taken multiple guys in the 24 draft. They took Charlie Jones in the fourth round, and then they took uh, – who's a nice kick returner, punt returner. Mm-hmm. He's going to be a special teams guy for them. Uh, and then they have found, like, Trenton Irwin and some of these types in the uh, who sort of just been contributing depth guys for them. They also drafted out of Princeton Andre – I man, I learned his name and now I forget how to say it. it's like Ayasavis or something yeah, like that. He's he's a very that. phenomenal athlete. Um, so we'll see if that parlays into something productive for them. So uh, very, very good wide receiver room. Again, among the best in the NFL. Um, Orlando Brown is your left tackle. Jackson Carmen is slated to back him up. He was a second round pick in 21. Haven't really found a spot for him. The Clemson product. I'm not surprised by that. I didn't like him much coming out. So again, I'm not surprised they haven't found anything consistent from him. Um, Cordell Volson and Alex Kappa Kappa is a uh, Tampa product. Volson was a fourth round selection for them in 22 are slated to be your two guards, Max Sharping, who came over from Houston and Akeem Denige, who they drafted in the sixth round of 20. I think he's out of Kansas. If I recall is slated to be the backup at guard. Um, Trey Hill is going to back up Ted Karras at center. Came over from New England, who's a nice player for them. And then Jonah Williams is switching to right tackle. They still have Lyle Collins. I don't know what's up with that. I don't know. Like, I know he went through some injury issues last year. He's still very talented, but I don't know yeah. what his future is with the Bengals. And then, obviously, Cody Ford is just sort of there, too. Yeah, They let go of, like we said, Hayden Hurst and brought in Irv Smith Jr. on a cheap one-year prove-it deal here from Minnesota. He could take off for them, right? Hayden Hurst put together a good year as you, as you would expect with Joe Burrow and all the weapons around them. After that, it's just, a, it's not a very good tight end group. Drew Sample and Devin Asiasi are your second and third guys. So they're, yeah. they're a huge 11 personnel team. That doesn't matter for them all too much. Burrow is backed up now by Trevor Simeon. I think it used to be Kyle Allen was there last year. And then Joe Mixon, Travion Williams is still around. They, they drafted Chase Brown from Illinois in the fifth round. So he's there. And then sort of Chris Evans, uh, former Michigan, I believe, backfield mm-hmm. is uh, is still sort of fighting for a job. We'll see if they keep all four of those or move off. But that's your offense. Yeah, it's I, pretty good. I, the thing that strikes me going through it like that, especially, it, it really jumps out. I mean, the depth that they have added. You know, yeah. they th- two years ago, you know, it was sort of Burrow under siege, and yep. they really have diligently year after year fixed that to the point where now if even in the worst case scenario that Orlando Brown got hurt, you'd shift 
Williams back to left tackle and Lyle, Lyle Collins comes in, you're basically back to last year's offensive line. You know, like they've got, they've got, I mean, maybe not the best guys, you know, they don't have the, the, the Browns offensive line, but for the way Burrow plays the game, they have a sufficient offensive line now. And it really was, it really was their Achilles heel that they have addressed. And so, you know, when you, when you see that offense laid out like that, it is daunting. And the fact that they are the Browns, you know, season opener, it's going to be, I mean, it's going to be such a challenge for Jim Schwartz off the rip to, to yeah. keep that offense down. I will say that the, I was interested in Lyle Collins. He got hurt last year. He tore his ACL. Okay. Um, so after he's starting not 15 all the way games. So yeah, he, the question is they're going to keep him on the roster or not. And, and okay. um, th- this is okay. a quote from Cincinnati Bengals talk, which is James repeating stuff, which is great. They, they, okay. One of the better covering them said, I do think he's on the roster. I think he starts the year on the, the pup list physically okay. unable to perform. It's expensive. You're talking about 22 million on the cap between Jonah and Lyle. And you also have Jackson <laughs> Carmen, what has kept them from winning a championship the last two years, the offensive line, the depth is big for them. They don't want to put themselves in the same position. Would you have two rings if the offensive line was better? It's 22 million between Joan and Lael worth paying them to win a ring. Yeah, I don't know. I, that's, I, that's sort of the, that's the situation. A reach, I think, man. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, they're playing a huge, what if game there. I, yeah, I told you, but you're talking about like the juicy. last two years. Yeah. What has been holding, if you looked at the Bengals, what's been holding them back? No, you're a lot right. of people rip on it. Now, Pro football focus, I, I guess, <laughs> I think it's a fair question, man, of like, is their offensive line better than the Browns now? Would oh. you take Jonah Williams and Orlando Brown over Jedrick Wills and Jack Conklin? It's a discussion. It's a, it's a discussion. <laughs> yeah, a tackle is a conversation. Alex Kappa is a really good guard. We've got an honorable mention from the NFL's uh, ESPN's uh, executives and coaches ranking. So, you know, the, that was the same sort of honorable mention that Wyatt Teller received. Now, Joel Batonio is the obvious outlier there. Yeah. But Orlando Brown is significantly better than a tackle that the Browns have on the roster yeah. right now. So there's an yeah. outlier there. I yeah. just think the gap is closed. And when I say that, Pro Football Focus ranked the top 32 offensive lines. Every single AFC North team was in the top 14 of that grouping. Yeah. So the offensive line, like the Browns have this significantly better offensive line, to me is out the window. They had Baltimore in front of Cleveland. Cleveland did, I think, five. Oh, I don't agree with that. And then and then the Bengals were like <laughs> uh, like 12 and then 14 for Pittsburgh. So, I mean, I do think we could argue it, and I, I get yeah. it. Yeah. But what I'm saying is the gap is smaller than it's ever been, and it's shrinking oh, yeah. there. So, yeah. And the Browns' improved. offensive line didn't pay up or play up to their to their billing last year, right? I mean, the the Jed, yeah. And I think you you nailed it. It's the tackles that are a problem. I I wrote an article about that, you know, a month ago for the OBR. Mm-hmm. You know that uh, they're paying Jack Conklin and Jed Wills league average money, and last year they didn't get league average production from either guy. I would agree. I just I, I think it's worth discussing. Yeah, we always kind of get in this. This frame of mind as Browns mm-hmm. fans that the offensive line has been good and yep. great at times. Right. But then it's like, hey, these other teams have invested in it too. So yes. it's yeah. interesting. Um, mm-hmm. Okay. So that's the offense. Defense has got a lot of similar names except for the safety position. So you're talking about Sam Hubbard, um, just as solid as could be player for them. Joseph Asai, who mm-hmm. is notoriously linked to the decision he made to hit Patrick Mahomes near the sideline, but is a very good player. Who had a great game in that game mm-hmm. and ended in, unfortunately for him. But then you have DJ Reader, BJ Hill, tough group in the middle. Now the depth there is a little dicey. You have Zach Carter, who they took last year in the third round, who did not play very well his first year. They're they're, they're slated as Josh Tupoy 
is their backup. So they're, they're thin behind the first two, but the first two are good. Yep. Trey Hendrickson, and then they took in the first round, Miles Murphy from Clemson. So you have, to me, they have four very good edge players. Yeah, I, I agree. mean, Miles Murphy, I'm, I'm saying he's going to be good. That's a bit cart in front of horse, but he's talented. So that, if that's your fourth edge, that's pretty good. Yep. Linebackers got their two stalwart names, Logan Wilson. They signed back Jermaine Pratt. They really believe in him. In that same 20 draft that they took Logan Wilson, they took Akeem Davis-Gaither, who's been a nice depth piece for him. Joe Batchy is uh, over as a another depth piece special teams guy. This year at corner, they have uh, Cam Taylor-Britt, who started to flash a lot for them late in the year, played a very big role for them. They should get back uh, Cheetah Bay Wuzier, who was really good for them. But again, he's coming back from a knee injury. So we'll see what that looks like. They drafted DJ Turner out of Michigan, the blazing corner in the second mm-hmm. round. I like him. I hate that he landed there. Just a good fit for them. The safety group is, you know, it's it's gonna they're going to try to figure it out. But they have Dax Hill, who I think is talented, another Michigan guy, who they took in the first round in 22. Nick Scott is is not in any way phenomenal, but just a sort of steady presence for them. They also took Jordan Battle out of Alabama in the third round. Yep. Uh, the safety as well. And then their nickel is Mike Hilton, who we all know is an effective in a, in a, in a very uh, movable nickelback for them. It's yep. a good fucking football team. They're good. <laughs> yep. They're just very well-rounded and yeah. good. Yeah. So when you sit down and think about it, Look at the roster. They've done a great job with building this team, and they are they are a a full on tier one Super Bowl contending mm-hmm. team who have they have lived a little bit in the Chiefs' mind. They the Chiefs yeah. respect oh, sure. them as a peer. They yeah. very much respect them as a peer. So mm-hmm. you know when we answer these questions, the second one is who are they? When you think of the Bengals, who are they to you? Uh, I mean, I think it's Joe Burrow. You know, just the the confidence that he's given them, you know, the, 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 how they have taken that leap that, you know, Browns fans are just incredibly envious of from being, like you said, at the beginning, a a team that was destined to finish every year behind the the Steelers and the Ravens to now, you know, two years running, owning the division. And at one point, you know, having a three game winning streak over the chiefs. And I mean, that was very close to being, you know, the fourth in a row if, if Osai doesn't do what he did. So yeah. inches uh, away from, I mean, they're a yeah, drive I mean, two plays away from the right. Super Bowl. They, yes, too. they, they so. played them so tough in Kansas City, uh, you know. So, um, yeah, I, and I think Joe Burrow deserves a ton of credit for instilling that, you know, cool as a cucumber, uh, you know, just uh, attitude with them. And it's, we, we say this all the time, it's incredibly irritating that the Bengals have, have him because they had the number one, overall pick in 2020 and the Browns had it in 2018. Well, and I also think it's worth talking about here that I think there was a time where Zach Taylor was viewed oh, for sure. as one of the worst in the division and perhaps yep. in football. But the more I hear Zach talk and like, he yep. just has it now yep. it's helped him. And this is very much worth referencing that both Brian Callahan is back who yep. has received more and more play calling duties over the years and Lou Anarumo is back is what's incredibly annoying that nobody hired either of those guys. Yes. And they're good. That yeah. Lou Anarumo is a hidden gem defensive mind that the smarter people around the game have started to talk more about. If they have another good year, those guys will get jobs and Zach Taylor will have to prove yeah. if he can do the long-term thing, which yeah. is replace the key minds around him. But this is 
a really good football team, Mm -hmm. a really good coaching staff. Now, can you say there are questions about the front office? The front office is the only thing slowing this down. If they can't figure out Joe's deal, they can't figure out Jamar, they can't figure out T and they let some of these guys go. Um, the, I guess it's not the front office cause they've drafted and signed, I think very well. It's the ownership's ability to fit the money together yep. Yep. is, is a very fair spot. Now we've seen them sell the naming rights to the stadium. I think, was it Paycor? or they've given the naming rights to yep. somebody to, uh, to, to sort of, you can tell they're starting to hunt cash. They know mm-hmm. what's coming. You know, we talk all the time about the rest, not the cap. It's the cash spend That's that right. gets tricky for some of these guys. So yeah. We'll see, but that's it. So, yeah, I, I think you know, just to build on something you said there, I, you know, we, we talked earlier about the offensive line, how improved it is. I, I think your point about Zach Taylor is so good. It was, you know, even last year, even after the Super Bowl, we were still talking about this team as are they really as good as they seem like they are, right? Because we would bring up those issues. We'd bring up the offensive line. We'd bring up Zach Taylor not seeming to, you know, really, I mean, his first year was rough, rough, rough. Mm-hmm. And so the the development of him as a, as a head coach, and and as you rightly mentioned, the coordinators below him, I think they deserve it. You know, he deserves a ton of credit. The organization deserves a ton of credit for sticking with that guy. I mean, they're going to because they're cheap, but, you know, it's, I mean, he has improved, right? You, you sometimes wonder, are these head coaches just kind of who they are or can they improve? He has improved every year, and I think – you know, it really speaks to the the things that you could use. You, uh, two years ago, you could comfort yourself by saying, "Well, the offensive line is trash. Miles Garrett will eat him alive." You know, the head coach is bad. He'll he'll punt on fourth and two, and you know, give a game away. That's the, that you can't rely on that stuff anymore now. So, yeah. like you said, I, I think they're a, they're a very good team and a complete team. You know, and yeah. on Lou Anarumo, I would just say, I I mean, I thought he was going to get a job this offseason. I don't know what else he needs to do. I wonder if it's a little bit of people have seen what happened with, say, Vic Fangio, for example. Defensive mastermind goes to Denver, and it's just not a complete team, right? Like an older guy who is 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 a kind of a little, you know, curmudgeonly, a little crusty, right? Little, you know, maybe a little bit set in his ways. Is that really a head coach, you know, or is it just the Bengals have a really, really good defensive coordinator for as long as they want him? It would suck if it's a Wade Phillips type thing for him, right? Where he's just a long-term, really good <laughs> defensive mind. Uh, yeah. You're right. I do think some of the looming older minds trying to take over a team it's it's weighing on some of these owners. I do. I, I think you'd be wrong to say it's not a factor. I think right. that's that's beyond fair. Um, okay, so season deciding X factor for them. I have one on both sides of the ball, and then I'll let you see if you have another one. Yeah. For me, it's the tackles. Mm-hmm. Can Orlando Brown? You know, can he hold up and be as good as he has been in 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 times? What they paid him for is he going to take a? They paid him to take another step away from the That's difficulty right. and blessing at times. It's hard to block for Patrick Mahomes. It just mm-hmm. is. He's mm-hmm. he's all over the place, and that the brilliance of who he is is also a challenge for those around him at times. Is he better, elite, dominant, which they paid him to be? Yeah. With a guy who's a more traditional pocket guy who gets rid of the football, more of an on-time rigid structure. We'll see. If that's not who he is, and Jonah Williams' move to right tackle is not as seamless as some people would like for it to be, that is a deciding expert. Because everything else around mm-hmm. that team is going to be fine. T, mm-hmm. Jamar, Joe, Joe Mixon, they're going to be fine. That's the only spot on offense I see a question. On defense, it's the secondary, which is pretty obvious. Is the Is the lack of the safeties... 
there's three things that stand out to me. Is Dax Hill going to be as good, competent, effective as the as Jesse Bates was? Is Nick Scott or Jordan Battle or whoever takes that strong safety role or whatever free? I'm not sure how they're going to label these guys. Um, they could have Dax filling Von Bell's role or whatever. We'll see. Mm-hmm. Are those guys just going to be seamless fits? Are they going to be as good? Because those two were good. And then is Cheetah Bay Awuzie who he was before the knee injury? Because yep. they need a, a, a big-time guy. Like, they yeah. need that. And maybe Cam Taylor-Britt takes that step, and he is that for them. But that's sort of like those two spots to me, mm-hmm. because the team has not shifted in any significant way, are sort of the X factors for them, uh, I think, this year. Yeah, I mean, I think you nailed it. Uh, but, you know, to, to the offensive line piece – uh, especially with Orlando Brown, you just, you know, he is a, he's a more of a road grader type at left tackle. You know, he's not the world's best technician. And so, um, you know, I think your point about Burrow getting it out quickly, he, you know, Brown just needs to get in the way for the most part is, is probably yeah. right. But, yeah. but you, you do, I mean, the other thing that I'll say about that is that I think he probably improves the run game. So, you know, True. I think, I think that, you know, and I think Volson's a little bit of a mauler at, at left guard as well. So maybe, you know, they, they shift a little bit more towards the run. I, I think that would be in some ways a, a blessing for other teams, right? Because, yeah. you know, if, if Burrow's throwing a little bit less, but at the same time, that versatility has at times been lacking for them because they're so uh, dead set on spreading it out and throwing the ball over the yard. And I think, you know, your point about Ouzier, that's where I was going. It, it's just, he, he has been their best cornerback, and he's 28. When cornerbacks get to that age, yeah. you know, the cliff comes quick for, for cornerbacks in their late 20s, early 30s. And so a knee injury is, you know, can be one of those things that you just don't come back from. And, and then if that's the case, the, the, the depth around that position other than him is really questionable. So um, that, that's what I would be looking at. But I think you also have to trust Anarumo to figure it out for the most part. I mean – it's hard to hide if you don't have any good players in your secondary, but yeah, uh, yeah. if he, if, if, if Hill or Scott or battle or Taylor, but you know, if, if two of those guys can be something to work with, he'll be fine. I think I mean, a loss. I I did not mention that I should have mentioned is Samaj P Ryan. So he is, mm-hmm. if you look at their stats last year, he had, uh, so Joe Mixon had 814 yards on 210 carries, only 3.9 per attempt. Samaj P. Ryan had 95 for 394 at a 4.1 yards per yeah. carry number. So uh, he also had 38 catches, 287, four touchdowns. So he's not nothing. And he was a an absolute dude in pass protection. He He's going mm-hmm. to play for Denver. So yeah. um, the replacement, like no, there's not a single player. Burrow ran for 257. P. Ryan 394, 8 for, 814 from Mixon. Then the next closest is 30 from Travion Williams. So like, yep. That's they have to find uh, Joe Mixon has not been a beacon of health the last few years. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, if you look at he had six games played in 2020, he had a full season in 21, but then he missed three games last year. If they're down like Mixon is their second backing up, maybe Chase Brown ends up being that it's not a bad problem to have, but it is just like something to pay attention to uh, as they're clearly cutting cost at that position. Did they cut costs from him to bring in another veteran? In the coming weeks, did they right. do that to bring in a Leonard Fournette or something? I don't know. We'll see. It's just um, something uh, when you look at the roster and you're trying to picking a part of a team that's really good, yeah. you have to talk about that. Um, better or worse this year than last? They're better. Like they're mm-hmm. they're better to me. They've improved some vital spots. Uh, you can you can pinpoint the safeties and say they're worse, but when you have a first round pick who had Dax Hill had real flashes, Nick Scott is at least solid, and then you 
have Jordan Battle, who's a, a decent chance to be a decent rookie, a third round pick, playing with Nick Saban's secondary, you you have to consider that's not awful. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, if you're looking at where they lost the most and where they improved, I I do think that they're just they're, they're going to be better. They're going to yeah. be really hard to knock out uh, off yeah. the th- off the throne. They're going to be hard. Yeah, I think the offensive line improvement uh, outweighs the you know what the change in personnel in the defense because I think what we've learned about Luana Rumo's system is he doesn't need superstars to make it work, uh-huh. right? It's a, you know, it's a true, it's a true system. So if, if, if they went out and kind of got Nick Scott as the guy that can make that work at 90% of what Jesse Bates did, you know, they're, they're probably going to be just fine. I, I mean, it is frustrating, Jake, to go through this exercise. You want to poke holes, but it is hard yeah. to do. Well, I have a couple things here. So special teams, since we're going in depth on in division, Good Evan call. McPherson is back at, from the Florida kicker, fifth round pick. Yep. He's who we hope Cade York becomes, yep. you know, and I don't think Evan McPherson's perfect, but he's very talented. He's made a lot of big kicks and there's confidence galore in him there. They, they finally let go of Huber, the punter. Um, and, and they brought in Brad Robbins this year. So they drafted a punter in the sixth round. So they moved on from Drew Chrisman, who was a real weak spot for them. Yeah, that was rough last year. And then uh, who I mentioned earlier, Charlie Jones, the uh, I think he's a Purdue product, is set to be both their punt returner and kick returner. So that will be his role. And he was good at it in college. So uh, Brad Robbins comes in from Michigan uh, to be their to be their punter. So uh, that's those are names you will see. Uh, otherwise, they're a tier one, which is yep. what we've clearly talked about. The question is, you know, this is not a doom and gloom fear the Bengals. The Browns have had plenty of success against these guys. Absolutely. How do you beat the Bengals in your mind? What do you have to do to beat them is the question. So like going forward here, they yeah. beat them at home pretty soundly. Uh, they did not have Jamar Chase in that game, but they the Browns beat them. Uh, I don't know. Did they beat them twice the year before? I think they beat them once. I don't know about twice, but they've had a lot of success. They've had a, a good yeah. amount of success. I think they did beat them twice because they beat them in the regular season early and then they beat them that last game which was a throwaway game where that was like where baker didn't play and there's a whole controversy neither team played many starters so they did beat them two times the year before they beat them in the first game in 22 and then lost in cincinnati with deshaun watson so yeah the question is in your mind when the browns play these guys how do you beat them uh yeah, I mean, I think it's it's still the same thing. Like, if you can pressure Burrow, right? I mean, I, I it's the same with any of these elite quarterbacks, right? Uh, you, if you can pressure, especially if you can pressure with four. I mean, that's the the hope here is that the Brown the Browns have spent so much you know energy upgrading the defensive line. If they can affect Burrow and and you know kind of play tight coverage for for two or three seconds, it, can they can they get there? I mean, the offensive line has improved, but I still think Jonah Williams is not you know, not a lockdown right tackle. Can you, can you manipulate their protection so that you get Miles Garrett on Jonah Williams with just chip help or something like that? Right. These are the sorts yeah. of things, but it's, it's hard, right? It's, it's not, you know, there's no blinking light, right. With these guys where you say, we'll just do, just push that button 20 times and you win the game. Right. I think it's, it's about making Burrow a little bit less comfortable. I think it's, I think it's about trying to take away chase and make the other guys beat you i know that sounds crazy but i i would rather die by t higgins than watch jamar chase go for 160 yards or whatever right yeah yeah i think i think you you try to (laughs) it's the hope and um there's no fear i'll say this there's no fear from the browns that's right 
about these guys. They're, yeah. they're very good. But as yeah. far as like the Bengals taking on the elite and not being afraid, the Browns see them as an equal, right or wrong. Right. They see yeah. them as an equal, and they have always played them tough. You're right. And- you have to make Burrow move off of his first read. If you can make mm-hmm. him hold on to it, and what they did to him in Cleveland was made him want to dump it down to a running back. Perfect. You can do that. That's the way you slow down their offense. Put them in third and longs mm-hmm. and let go of whatever packages that Jim Schwartz is going to put in place. Yep. On the other side of the football, you have to be on time and you have to take advantage of getting out of third downs on that side because Luana Rumo on third downs is yep. a bitch. Yep. So, yeah, like that's the recipe. And I know that's the recipe for any game, but especially with Burrow, <laughs> like Burrow will, if he knows what you're doing and yeah. he can know where to put the football, he will yeah. dissect you. So moving him off a spot, allowing an extra second and a half to two for pressure to get home, yeah. making him feel antsy, dump offs to the running back. Allure. I don't have the stats in front of me from that first game, but I think the running backs had like, like 12 to 15 catches in that game. So, and they were nothing yards. So like, that's it. And then being, I think you can hit a couple big plays on them too, but you have to hit them. Like Watson missed a couple big throws. And if you recall, they had the big bomb to Amari Cooper in that game against them at home. They had some really big downfield shots. If you can hit the big plays, limit the third downs as much as you can, you have a chance against them. And a lot of these games since Burrow's been the quarterback where they've won, they've played with the lead. Right, yep. which again, that's great advice against any team. But yeah, don't ever be losing. <laughs> right, exactly. It's a great way to win 100 percent of your games. It is like again, especially with the Bengals, it brings the run game into it more for the Browns, which you know limits the third downs to your point, and and it really allows them. You know, it forces the Bengals to be pretty one dimensional, and if the Bengals are one dimensional, then you can really heat up Burrow a little bit. Yeah, I agree, man. So. We'll see. They can follow that formula. There is a little, there's a little rivalry there. So we will, we will see. I mean, it's a rivalry in the division all the time, but there's just some animosity between their wide receivers, Browns secondary, their fans hate Deshaun Watson as would be expected given all the stuff surrounding it. I mean, it's really nice when you, when you finally get a first round pick and Joe Burrow's the quarterback that's there at that time. So, you know, it's not like Cincinnati did anything spectacular other than suck during the right season, which is just sort of how that stuff happens sometimes. So anyway, uh, listen, if you are not uh, a fan of the bear or want to see the bear on your own and uh, don't want to have any spoilers, it's now the time to cut off this podcast. So just want to give that fair warning. We're going to spend a couple minutes talking about what turned into to me, this show has passed succession for a show I really, really liked this year. Um, so it was, I, I thought, a really great second season. And, and I know I've been waiting on Andrew to get through it. And I just <laughs> wanted to, you know, life is not on the same rate for everybody right. in the show. So yep. um, I've been I've been very interested in hearing your opinion. Because you were being told from everybody. This is always tough. And this is what I'm worried about with Oppenheimer. Yeah. And I, was, and I ran into this with Mission Impossible. My expectations were so high. Yeah, they're so high, and I'm worried about this with Oppenheimer a little bit. I'm going on. Are, are you going this weekend? By the way, I know we uh, a couple more. Pods, that's a but... good question. I do want to. I do want to. I don't know if it'll be this weekend. This weekend's a little uh, rough for me, but uh, soon, soon. Yeah, we're going yeah. Saturday. So you, if you, whenever you do get to it, we'll talk about it. But anyway, yeah. neither here nor there. Yeah. The bear. You've been told by all of us at the <laughs> OBR like this was an unbelievable second season. I thought yeah. it was, but I'm yeah. curious your take. We see some things in movies and shows differently. We do. We do. I, I, I did like it. I really did like it. I thought um, the two things that just really jumped out to me, and they're kind of the same thing, but they're not the same thing. 
Number one is that I, they shot this season very differently to the way that they shot the first season. There were so many uh, scenes, you know, of dramatic dialogue, of interpersonal connection that were shot in the tightest close-up that I have seen in a long time, right? Like in people's faces. I mean, a lot of those scenes with uh, Jamie Lee Curtis, yep. um, a lot of the scenes between, uh, you know, the main character and Claire, um, you know, just so close. And I, I, I found it distracting insofar as I think good acting is physical beyond just your facial expression, right? Like there is a, a way you hold your shoulders, a way you move your body, the way that you inhabit space. I think Richie is a perfect example. His shots for the most part throughout the season, other than the, the Christmas episode, it's still, he, it was mostly full, you know, and he's using his physicality in such a way. Yeah. That, and, and the way that his body changes from the beginning of the season when he's not invested to the end of the season, when he becomes invested, he, that all shows up in his body language. And I think we were robbed of that. These are all very gifted actors. They have a, I, I mean, whoever cast this does a great job, right? But at times it just felt a little claustrophobic and I don't feel like it had the intended effect for me. Yeah, I I would I think that's a fair thing. Now that I'm thinking about it, they were very. It's like they were trying to prove they had this first season. You don't know how it's going to go, exactly. and then you start to feel like, oh, people are connecting to these characters. Let's do one episode to give you more about every character. And right. in that, I see where you're now coming from. Where you're like, they want you to know it's so much about Tina mm-hmm. or so much about. Yep. You know, in, I don't know, select whatever character. I mean, I know Richie yeah. got some, but Marcus, say when Marcus went to, uh, did he go to the Netherlands? I'm not Copenhagen, sure. Copenhagen, yeah. Copenhagen, that's right. So, um, yeah, like they, they just got, I get it. I get where you're coming from. My question would be, did that distract you so much you didn't enjoy it? Or did you really like no, the, I did, where I did, they're I, taking the story? I did really enjoy it. The story overall, the arc of what's happening with the restaurant, I was in on. Uh, yep. I enjoyed that very much. I, th- I think Sydney's arc for the season was was very real that rang to me in terms of like the the fear that you feel when you think you know you've got a shot at something but you don't know if it's going to work and you don't know if it's going to be your last shot at something i think that really resonated richie's arc i think was i mean to me that's the best character and the best writing on the show is when they're when when they're in his world in my mind and so his episode was my was my favorite episode just because of of the you know i bought his transformation right I, i it feels like you shouldn't be able to show 30 minutes of anything and completely change a character's orientation. But it was so well written and so well acted that it actually rang true. The only nitpick that I would have, and that was well said by you, is when he's trapped. Again, we've given a spoiler alert. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. This is very specific. In the last episode, when he's trapped in a, he's clearly a paranoid. Carmi, I'm talking about the main character, in case you didn't know where I was going with that. Um, He's clearly a claustrophobic guy on yeah. like he's paranoid in general. Yeah. And, and like for that's going to bring out the, anybody who has mental issue, like anything yeah. that's going on with them from any angle, putting them inside a cold box in, in the biggest <laughs> night of his life in recent memory is going to make anybody say some stupid shit. That's right. So like if yep. Claire thinks that they're done because yeah. he said that I don't deserve anything good and I'm never going to let my team down. Right. He like, you didn't understand the situation sister. That's right. Yeah. He's clearly trying to recover yeah. mentally from being abused in the chef world. Right. And is like, yeah, is very fucked up from it. 
and thinking he doesn't deserve anything good. He's trying to let something good happen. And then he feels like he lets down the other most important people in his life because he's been asphyxiated on you. You shouldn't like, it's not over. You just have to work with that that person on finding some life balance to make it all. Cause they're a great little couple. Like it's a cute story. Like it just, it doesn't feel like everything has to be over because you put someone in a tiny box on the biggest night where he feels like he failed. Like it doesn't, it was that, that part of it is like in Mm -hmm. real life, you would just understand that he's in the most stressful situation and he doesn't really mean that. And maybe they recover it in the next season. That's the first thing they go through, but like, it doesn't have to be, it's over. No, I mean, it's listen, great advice for anybody out there. Don't trust anything you hear through a walk-in door, right? It's just like, just, that's just kind of like words to live by, right? Is don't, if you are in a room and there's a big, heavy door and somebody on the other side of it says something hurtful, take a breath, take a breath. Cause that's, you know, yeah, you think about what away. they're going through. Right. I mean, maybe I have, I have been not locked in, but I have, I've worked in, you know, places that had walk-in coolers and I've been working in them for more than just a minute or two. It is a weird environment, right? Because it's, it's cold and that door is heavy. So it's completely silent for the most part. I don't even really know if you would be able to hear things as well. I mean, I, they had to, right. But uh, anyway, yeah um it's it's an alienating it's environment quiet so, freezer ever yeah right way. exactly yeah bad door great motor just, yeah <laughs> that's right but i yeah the one thing i'll say jake is i where where i think we differ uh is i i never at any point during the season bought into or enjoyed the romantic storyline between claire and carmy okay well is there a reason I, because I because it didn't it felt from the beginning from the meet cute or whatever you want to call the that, fake number situation through the fake number through the end none of their actions to me rang true right like I didn't understand I mean it, it, they kind of try and explain it away at the end by her saying that she had the biggest crush on him forever yeah but I for where she is in her life being a doctor right in, in an ER it feels weird to me that she would have this enormous blind spot where it's like the person I most want to get involved with is a really fucked up chef, you know, like yeah. that's what I need in my that's... incredibly stressful life is like the least reliable person I can find. It feels like to me, like Carmi doesn't believe he doesn't believe in it. He knows he shouldn't be doing it, but there's some sort of family. I mean, obviously all of the people know Claire, right? They, like she's yeah, been a sure. surrounding member yeah, of that around. family. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I feel like she's probably always been into him from afar on top of the crush that you mentioned. They're like, yeah. I like them. I, I really do like them, the idea of them, but, but like a bomb going off and all of that has to be the most, like she would have to know that if she's really right. into him, that's right. Him that's, saying yeah. that mm-hmm. shit right. is gotta be expected in some way, yep. shape and form. And, and if she's and, really yes. into him, she sticks around through that. And it's right. like, working through it with him if she's not if she was expecting this dude who's clearly like you said a a paranoid mentally struggling chef who's in the most stress one of the most stressful environments ever right he's gonna say something fucked up when he screws something (laughs) up so like i don't know maybe they don't work out i i think that i just like the characters i like claire i like she's a great actress she's been in some other stuff yeah and i'm kind of i guess i'm pulling for them i don't think it's gonna work but i'm pulling for them so you just know, needed like one or two scenes that did a little bit of legwork for why, like what's good in the relationship for her. Right. The random house party didn't do it for you. 
It really didn't. I hated that. It, scene. it really didn't because he was. I mean, he was cool, but like, I don't like that. Just it doesn't. It none of it felt like her. Her motivation in that relationship was never clear to me. Yeah. And and to your point, his you know decision to kind of go that way. Like I understand the work that it does in advancing the plot and kind of dissolving some of the ties within the restaurant, but it also did, didn't hundred percent ring true that he would let himself get distracted in that way. I just, I think if they're, I think I truly think if that first scene where they met wasn't filmed and, and put together in such a sort of abstract way. Yeah. It just, also, I need a little, I just need a little more concrete. We are very up on their faces in that scene. Now That's that what I'm saying. About it. He's like right. in the cooler. Yeah. It's Zoom. Yeah, I'm with you. Now, the, the way you said that, I hadn't really thought of it much until you said it. Um, it's just like I two think heads that floating could, in space. Yeah, you're right. Like, they, they, I want to see them living life is all I'm saying. Yes, I'm with you. Now that I yeah. hear that, that, that train of thought, I'm with you. Um, yeah. I wish they would have done something. I could buy into this quick hastiness of reconnecting and being... If there was like some like, you know, we tried it when he was a chef before yep. uh, in his early years or yep. just something more. It's yep. like, just well, Carmi some... disappeared. He went away right. and now he's come back. It's like, right. I just want to know yep. there's something more there because she clearly right. is very into him. Right. And I'm like, okay, you know, could we know we could know a little more. Yeah. You know, it's failed once before. And, yes. You yes. Know, they were young. I don't know. Something like that. But anyway, no, that, I, think I think that's exactly right. It's, it's, it's building the whole thing was just kind of thrown together yeah. and I wanted to see more building blocks because they, the show otherwise has done such a great job. Like take, for example, Sydney's relationship with Tina, right? Like that uh -huh. went from being like a, a rivalry antagonistic to one of the, the like healthiest, most supportive relationships on the show. And they did the legwork of showing you how it got there. Yeah. It's well said. I am. Um, I, I think they did a lot of really good things this season. I hope that agreed. Agreed. Yeah, I think it was a really good step. I think that they gave us more. Now, I hope that it's less teaching us about who these people are and it's more sort of next season is, you know, figuring I'm, I'm just me personally. I love the cooking mm, and like agreed. that part of it is a huge thing that they can hook so many people on. So I hope they really focus on they've planted a lot of really good seeds on all these restaurants have failed, failed, failed. Yes. How do they survive? Like, I would like to know how a restaurant survives in Chicago. Like I would really yes. be interested in that. And I hope that yep. they spend enough time on that because I think at the core of this show, what made us all sort of really like it is, yeah, the family's great and the dynamics of some of these, but it's like, I want to know, I want to feel what it's like to be in a yeah. stressful kitchen often. Mm -hmm. And it's that's a workplace drama. Yeah. yeah, that's yes. that's it, man. But yep. yeah, good good second season. I I think yep. it was you know I think it was I great. Agree. There are there are spots to to poke into, and I, I think that they could still salvage some of those. So I hope they do. Um, mm -hmm. But otherwise, yeah, dude, that that they're well worth it. If you have not, if you listen to this and you still want to go back and watch, <laughs> I, I think you should. I think it's yeah. I think no, it's I think it's TV. one of the best shows going. And so my criticisms great sound are just too. because I say that. Oh, absolutely. And and the first season I truly think was just about flawless, right? So. The really second good. season not living up to that is kind of inevitable. That's just how television works, I think. It is. And the, and I hope that they – I like just – I think one or two more seasons are probably good for that show. Don't need I to agree. draw it I agree. like crazy. Yeah. Um, they're not going to take this – to this restaurant's not going to become a clone of where, you know, Richie spent his time, that other right. – and they can't think of the name of it off the top of my head. But it doesn't need to be that. It just that. needs to be yeah. teaching us about mm -hmm. how do you survive in Chicago as a restaurant post-COVID because yeah. that's fascinating to it me. It is. It's Absolutely. So, 
All right, that's a wrap. We did enough, man. We talked about <laughs> just about every damn thing we could talk about. This might set a record for longest pod, but I think we hit on a lot of fun topics and for sure. the bear, which is always fun. So we'll check back in with you Wednesday on the Ravens and then Friday on the Steelers. And I'm hoping to have a guest uh, for just a little while. I want them on the whole show, just a, a little bit of they can preview their own team and we'll ask them. Uh, the one we won't ask them the changes cause we can do that ourselves, but maybe the, the, the other key questions, yeah. we'll spend some 15, 20 minutes with them talking through those. So it should be, should be fun. We'll have Andrew on for those as well. And like we said, the 19th, so two days from when you're listening to this, the rookies are there, they're all there by Friday and they're green briar bound over the weekend. So we are in the thick of some new football content and football being right here. And we are like five, six weeks away from college football kicking off too. It is it's on, it's the, on the cusp. It's on mm-hmm. the cusp. So, Andrew, I appreciate you a ton, man. Great show. I, I really think uh, think we covered about everything as well as we can, and you know I appreciate your time. Always a good time. Thank you, Chef. Thank you, Chef. Yes, yeah, Chef. We say that around here, but we're cooking Velveeta, so a little bit of a different <laughs> thing. Um, all right. Anyway, that's it. Thank, stop by the OBR. We love when you guys come by and yeah. uh, hang out in the forums and talk to us and tell us what's going on in your life. There's so many great forum topics and, and community involvement in the OBR. And we hope you join us on that at some point. And I was talking to a friend again, who was talking about Paramount plus, cause I was explaining where I watched all the mission impossible movies. You get a Paramount plus subscription with your OBR yearly subscription. So you should take advantage of that. Cause there's you got kids. There's a whole bunch of shows. If you're an adult who loves movies, there are great movies on that. Take advantage of it. We have safety week coming up to wrap up our uh, positional preview. So we'll have plenty of discourse on the future of that room, the both present and future with an outlook from Fred Greetham and then Jack Duffin doing his usual. And then we'll get some surrounding stuff in there as well. So look out for that this week. Otherwise be back in the coming days. Um, not sure who we'll have for you tomorrow, but we'll figure that out over time. Uh, but we'll be back with Andrew on Wednesday. So check that out. Rate review the pod. If you can appreciate that a ton. Football's almost here guys. Get pumped. Hopefully you enjoyed this. Thanks to Andrew for being here. Thanks to you guys for stopping by on your Monday. Have a great one. Go back. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.